what's going on, everyone? This is Nolan Sambrin with Infinite Banking Radio. I've got a really great guest on today. His name is Grant Mietveit. He is uh, what was before started out as an Infinite Banking client, turned into a member of our CRE Collective, which is our private mentorship for commercial real estate, and turned into really, I would say, is a really great friend now. We, we talk pretty often. So, uh, Not to mention, he invests in a couple of deals with me already. So, uh, we 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 just met each other back in January of 2023, and he's just gone like full on board with getting outside of the box that we'll, we'll get into. He'll describe he's has a really successful business in biotech, uh, just a really high income earner, and he'll go into his story about basically how he was thinking inside the box, kind of doing what he was told, and uh, discovered this infinite banking concept. Discovered commercial real estate and uh, figuring out how to kind of get outside of the outside of the matrix uh, thinking wise. So um, really a great episode about how uh, how Grant and I have not so much become friends or anything, but more about how his um, journey of being inside the matrix and looking up, taking the blinders off the horse and discovering there's another way to save and earn and invest their money. So without further ado, we'll have Grant on here, but let's just hear a quick word from our sponsor. My Financial Snapshot is the official sponsor of the Infinite Banking Radio podcast. My Financial Snapshot builds personal financial tools to help you track your finances. Their Snapshot tool is the first easy-to-use and reusable personal financial statement builder available online. It's the perfect solution for real estate investors and business owners. Their budgeting tool takes the hassle of budgeting away and lets you focus on the results of your budget. Individuals can get unlimited access to their tools and educational resources for $44.99 a year or $6.99 a month. For Infinite Banking Radio listeners, use coupon code INFINITE20 for 20% off your subscription for life. Use the link in the description and get started making personal finance easy and simple today. All right, Grant, thank you so much for uh, coming on the Infinite Banking Radio podcast. Uh, again, I'm Nolan Samburn. This is one of my uh, favorite guys, Grant Miatveit. And it's one of those Norwegian names that you don't hear often. I was saying to Grant earlier, uh, I'm not the first person to probably to misspell it or to mispronounce it, and I won't be the last. So, Grant, thanks so much for coming on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And uh, I really appreciate what you're doing with this. Man, great. Awesome. Well, just to jump in again, we won't have to uh, dance around. I just wanted to introduce you. I, you know, we, of course, in our intro, just talking about who you are, what you you do, how you and I um, are investing together. You're a client of mine for Infinite Banking. I'd like to take a step back and start kind of uh, just more about who you are, where you are, what you're doing, and uh, kind of just the person that that you're trying to become, I guess. Yeah. So uh, I've been in biotech for oh, 25 years, been in, in, uh, in that side of things for a long time, um, been um, always looking to advance my career and, and doing that, and, and I still want to do that. But um, over the COVID year, I started doing some reading and such on, you know, just different investments. And, and I, th- I think I was always questioning whether I was doing the right things with my 401k and, and so on and so forth, like everybody else, right? But we hire financial advisors and such to do a lot of those things for us. But I started to do my own research and realized, you know, maybe there's some other ways of doing it. So for me, I only have so much time in a day with my full-time job and I love my career. And so how do I juggle um, 
all of the other things that I'm, I'm trying to think of, uh, visions of retiring at a certain age with, um, you know, other ways of doing things. And so one of the things that kind of got me thinking as a, as a full-time employee is, you know, what can I do with the limited amount of time? How do I, I get ahead and what are my, what are my goals? But I think at the end of the day, what I stumbled across, which was a book called The End Asset, helped me kind of look at, you know, trying to keep more of the money that I do earn and pay Uncle Sam less. So for me, you know, as, as much as I've done in my career, and I think about all the time that I've put into that, and as little time as I've put into my finances in my retirement, that's a real disservice. And I think that's not unlike most people, right? Uh, so I took it upon myself to just do more research into other alternative ways of investing my money with the limited time that I have, not changing that because I'm not willing to give up any more of my hobby time, but maybe I can use it more wisely. Um, and in that process of coming through the end asset, just looked at maybe there's different ways that I can park my money more efficiently. Um, and dovetailing was something that I'd also come into, which was just investing in real estate, but I just really hadn't got into enough of it to really uh, make a go of it, in my opinion, with the limited time. And so I, I, I know I've kind of taken a bit of a roundabout way there, but I think ultimately, uh, Nolan, what, what happened in that process is I, I came across a really cool strategy to park some of my money uh, into uh, whole life insurance as a real nice vehicle to become a greater Swiss Army knife with my finances, whether it's my day-to-day, -day, whether it's my retirement, and even more so more recently, the investing side, uh, because it does all of those and more much more efficiently than what we're traditionally accustomed to, like 401ks, IRAs, and that thing. So, uh, sorry, we're, we're, I, I covered a few things there, but I'm not sure if there was a few others that you maybe wanted to cover before we got into IBC more specifically. No, that was that was that was great. Uh, you know, my I guess the the question that I would have, as you kind of touched a little bit, is I feel a lot of people that are having successful careers like yourself. Um, not that you just do what you're told to do, but you almost don't when you have this this success, you almost don't want to deviate away from what everybody else that's successful is doing. You know, putting the money into the 401ks, the IRAs, all of these government uh, style investments and securities. And uh, candidly, <laughs> I, you know, maybe maybe now we're a little more outside the matrix, I guess. But once you see the other side, uh, you, you you discover that man. If I don't like do something else, Uncle Sam has just got his hands strangled around my neck. You know, we're just basically kicking the the tax can down the road and hoping and praying that maybe taxes may might remain the same, but more likely than not to go up. What has been your you know observation, like you said, during those COVID years that you were studying and and trying to discover, like maybe there is a different way. So how did you kind of you know, what rocks were you trying to turn over to what made you kind of step back and look and discover, man, maybe I need to try something else? Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately I looked at it and I looked at my expenses and my biggest expense is taxes. So I'm thinking, well, I can nickel and dime all these other ways. I can try to push additional like, you know, I max out my 401k. I've been doing that. I had been doing that for a long time. I don't do that anymore, by the way. Um, I'm maxing out my whole life policy. But I think ultimately, <laughs> that was my that's sort of my 
rock, my foundation. How do I change that? Because by putting in more time, I get more compensation as a result of that. But I'm also earning the IRS more money, right? It's called right. the internal revenue service for a reason, <laughs> driving revenue off of me. So the more I advance in my career, yes, I am, I'm compensated for that. But so is the government. They're getting disproportionately more. The more I make, the more they make. And I'm thinking, how do I change that? How do I keep more of what I'm already making and just start there? So that's what kind of got me looking at things a little different. And real estate just seemed like a real nice way to invest some money because the passive side is tax less. So I'm like, well, if I could invest there, get tax less, plus there's opportunities for more deductions that I can write off against that taxable money that I can reduce my tax burden even more. Um, I, I think ultimately it just got this sort of the wheel burning. Like, you know, when you're in a box, you only see the rules within that box. If you step outside the box, now you're exposed to things that you didn't even realize were a possibility while you were looking from a different viewpoint. So I think those pieces of literature, those books, the podcast, the things that I went through during COVID started to help me see outside the box and just get different viewpoints of what's possible from where I was standing before. Um, I think the, the Rich Dad, Poor Dad book also just got me thinking differently that there's a different way. And we're ultimately caught in this rat race of trading time for money. And it's up to us to get to, to make a change. Um, fast forward a little bit to the beginning of this year. I went, on, I went on a cruise and I got this book, The End Asset. It looked at things differently. And, and ultimately, I don't necessarily agree with everything uh, Caleb was talking about, but it did get me the, going on the idea of whole life policy as a totally different vehicle than I had been thinking about before and the flexibility behind it and what I could do. And all of a sudden, I'm looking at it from a different angle. And then I did a lot more research in the meantime to really kind of figure out how I go about executing on this, right? And that's ultimately where I stumbled on you. I came across a number of your podcasts talking about how we can structure these appropriately and came across Nelson Nash. And then that got me down a different rabbit hole. Then I started to follow up on some of the reading materials you had mentioned and really going into a greater in-depth uh, learning process of Nelson Nash himself, who founded this whole concept, and then even talking through some of the things that uh, Carlos Lara and, and uh, Robert Murphy had kind of talked through. There is a lot there. But I think ultimately, once you and I partnered on that whole life, it literally just scratched the surface and opened up a whole new world for me, which was, you know, looking at our, our first deal of doing a, a private loan and then now into more commercial uh, real estate uh, investments. And, and I'm just excited now where we go from here, because now I feel like I've just like caught in a glimpse of this whole new reality that's literally, it's so vast. It's it's infinite. 100%. And to, to piggyback off that, I think uh, what we all kind of say, once you're on the infinite banking side, you're into this outside of that, you said outside of the box, I would say that this strategy, whether it's the real estate, whether it's the the life insurance, it's it's not taught, it's caught. You have to like you you kind of have to you can anybody can talk about it and this and that, but like once you actually go in and study something with an open mind versus, you know, because in my opinion, what even for myself, when I first heard about this strategy, I just, 
you know, oh, I don't need life insurance. Like, you know, that's not important to me. I'm, you know, at the time I was 27 years old. And then that heavy door closed, especially when you've got the loud noises like the 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 Dave Ramsey's, the the Susie Ortsman's, all the all the loud talking heads that say, don't do this. But all the people that follow them like are poor. They don't have any money. So it's like it, it keeps them into their own funnel that way. So I would just you know, that's such a good point. It's, you know, once you get outside of the box of where, you know, before when you're in it, you you start to open up. It's like taking the blinders off a horse and you're like, whoa, there's a whole lot more out here. And then you introduce, like you said a minute ago, talking about taxes for the IRS. Let's go in a little bit about, um, we can talk more about infinite banking, but I wanted to discuss the tax purposes on a particular deal that we're working on right now and how important, you know, we can talk about the CRE collective, but that's not really important. I want to discuss when you're talking about taxes, how important understanding the tax laws are and how to use them. Not thinking that the IRS is, is all big and bad, but they're trying to use the tax laws as a basis of incentive. Can you kind of go on you know, your experience with at least the infinite banking idea, the tax-free nature of that, and then using life or using commercial real estate as a way to you know, lower your taxable income? Yeah, well, I, I think ultimately, as a result of this uh, last investment that you and I did um, in our in our group, um, you know, this will be the first time that I will not only come close, but I will likely uh, pay very close to zero zero dollars in tax. Awesome. And of all the years I've worked, this was not even a, a reality to me. It was never even something that was possible. So how I came about that was, I mean, just learning the tax laws. Like if you don't do your due diligence and trust me, there's billions of pay. Oh, that's an exaggeration. But there's <laughs> there's in like so many pages to the tax code. It's hard to know where to start. But I think ultimately it doesn't take long. You do some research. How do you pay? How do you reduce your tax burden? You can come across a, several buckets of opportunities and take some of those learnings and figure it out. Real estate is one of those real effective ways that you can reduce your tax burden because uh, passive income is taxed less than um, earned income. And plus you couldn't, working with a good CPA too and doing some of your homework on what's deductible from uh, a real estate side of things, you can further reduce that on, around things that you're going to use and, and expense on anyway. Um, so I think that's that's kind of where I, I, I anchor everything into is reducing my tax burden because if you keep more of what you earn, you don't have to try to push so hard to climb up the ladder and continue to trade time for money. At a certain point, you have no time left and you've given it all that's away right. and you've got very little to show for it. And you're not to mention your health, right? We only have so many years. So try to enjoy yeah. the balance. But I think then the, the cool thing about the the infinite banking thing, and you know, it's it's it does amazing for what we're trying to do with real estate because it can help you finance your deals uh, out of uh, you know a storage location that doesn't take your money out. You're using someone else's money. It's, I'm not going to get into that, but I think ultimately it's it's a means to an end, and it and the cost of um, of that money from out of your pocket is very reasonable. In fact, it's quite low. But I, but I think ultimately, even for the just the general person, the day-to-day individual that's not necessarily involved with real estate, whole life policies are still 
an, a, a massive advantage to buy things like cars, even at some point, even, you know, finance your house. These are things that ultimately allow you to take control back from what the banks are doing. And I think the banks are one of the biggest culprits of why we have inflation, because they're creating money out of thin oh, yeah. air. If oh, we yeah. can one person at a time take the banks out and manage our money and take advantage of that, that sort of arbitrage, this, you know, what banks are doing is taking a low interest rate, paying for that money, and then they're charging higher interest rates and banking the difference. If we can do that ourselves using policy loans with our whole bank policy, yeah. more people, more common people can do that. We would we would be in a much different place. And so what do you think? I, um, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. My no, I, was just saying, I, I just think it's 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 a means to an end for everyone, not just the commercial real estate investor, although it does that so well, but just the everyday person. Uh, back in the early 1900s, this used to be something that people used to do to store their money and invest in, in whole life policies. And we've gotten away from that. Yeah. Well, when you get Uncle Sam involved and they start using uh, the ERISA Act and start incentivizing, you know, 401ks and the IRAs and uh, again, kind of the the tentacles of of Uncle Sam kind of strangling everybody. What what do you think for a person that, you know, when, when they're just starting out, they're studying this concept or, you know, when they when they hear life insurance, at least because I think you and I are similar. Why? Why? What, what was your initial kind of objection? Was it just because I feel like well, I could be wrong, but his whole life was that like when you were doing your thing out of the gate, you're doing the 401k thing. Did you did anyone ever talk to you about whole life insurance or I mean, no. what was kind of your initial like hesitation or objection to it when you were first kind of getting into it? I mean, it wasn't even on the radar uh, as wow. as a as wow. a storage vehicle. I mean, I was looking at a different way to to put like honestly, kind of my entry point was looking at it for retirement. Um I kind of backed into it as an investment sort of, um, you know, enabler, right? Yeah. But I think that that the initial piece was to a storage place to have greater returns on my money that I can put more in, uh, as opposed to the maximum amount you can contribute to an IRA or even you know, four one ks. And it had so much more flexibility to it that you could use it along the way, versus having to go through all those crazy hoops and, and such with 401ks, if you ever needed it, whether you want to take it alone or you needed, you know, to pay for something, it just, my, my concept was, it was, it was just, it was not an efficient vehicle. It was, uh, you know, kind of a waste of money almost like I just thought of it as more like term. Yeah. I have a policy through work, but I didn't think anything beyond that. Like, why would I invest and park my money there over and above a very cheap, like pay as little as possible, get the most from a death benefit. That's what I was thinking. Why would I want to flip that and pay as much as I can for the least amount of death benefit and maximize the cash value? Well, because ultimately that's how you can totally take back your, your control from the bank. 100%. And a lot of people don't, really think about it. There's only two ways to, uh, to, to use money is you, you're either borrowing someone else's money and paying them interest, or you are saving up money. And then when you spend that cash, most people don't see this because opportunity cost does not show up on a balance sheet. So it's like almost this hidden cost that nobody ever talks about or sees, but it's, yeah. it's real. It's when you spend cash, it, Sure, you now have a, an asset, maybe a piece of real estate, or you have a car, or whatever it is. But 
that cash that you spent is no longer having the ability to earn for you. So this infinite banking idea, when you take a policy loan, what you're able to do actually is leverage your they're leveraging your cash value, but what they do essentially is put a lien on your death benefit and your cash just keeps ticking away and growing as if it never left. So it's kind of crazy to think, but you're able to kind of kill two birds with one stone. You're able to own the asset all the while your, your money continues to tick and grow away. Can you give kind of an example, Grant, of what you know, you've done? Because again, you do a policy. Some people let it sit there, but you put it to work. Like, can you give us some details on, without getting into the the, the the numbers, but just how have you experienced, you know, setting up your policy and then most importantly, deploying policy loans into opportunities? Yeah. So I think I, I asked to set up a Nelson Nash policy, which is one in along the lines of how he would set it up. Um, it's, it's a, it's a balance to ensure that you're, you're getting a real nice focus on the cash value versus the opposite. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, I think ultimately I came across the sale of a home and, and I came to somebody, so I wanted to put it in a place that could work for me. So I think that's how I had it set up, exactly how Nelson Nash wanted to to uh, to have the, the, the masses do it and set it up so it could be a very efficient vehicle. And then I think from then... Um, my goal was to get that money mobilized. So I put I put money uh, for our deal that we had together on that least, uh, that real estate deal in the last couple of months out of a policy loan. So essentially, I called you up and said, Nolan, I'd like X amount of money for this investment um, and I want to pull it out of my policy. And you're like, okay, when do we need it by? It was a couple of days. Boom, it was in there. I didn't have to go through anything else. I didn't have to go through credit check. And I also felt good knowing that ultimately my money was still in there. I, my money didn't come out of there. That was the policies money that they were giving me, like you said, as collateral to the death benefit. But the value, the value I could pull out was, uh, according to my cash uh, value, that was really my top. So I, you know, as long as I stayed within that ledger, I was okay. So for me, a four percent. Simple interest on a on a cash uh, loan like that policy loan is a small penance to knowing what I could make on that and turn around and make. And so, you know, let's say we we cash out and get that money all back. I put it back into my account plus the interest. And this is something that you said, and Nelson talks about this too: is if you treat this policy like you treat a bank, don't take any hometown discounts. Take whatever that loan would be, write it to yourself for that amount, pay that exact amount that you would have paid to that loan. Uh, so the over interest, let's say it was uh, for that amount, let's say it was seven and a half percent, pay it back a seven and a half percent for that amount of time versus the four percent simple interest rate. So I would typically the best I could get was a seven and a half. And that was amortized over six years. So I'll pay it back according to that cycle when I'll pay it all back. I will over-index into uh, paid-up dividends, right, as a result of paying that additional amount. And that's how you can continue to inflate more into your your whole life policy. And then ultimately, the cost of that money that, to me, actually in my pocket was peanuts, really, at the end of the day, compared to how much money that I put in that deal. And I think when you start running the math, the math doesn't lie. And I think that's where it gets really 
powerful is when you can see the math side by side in several different scenarios. And you ran that for us when we met up a, a couple months ago. Here's yeah. what happens if you take your own cash and put that into your deal. Here's what happens if you put no cash in the deal. Here's what happens if you put cash from your policy and you can see the returns. They don't lie. Math doesn't lie. That's, it doesn't lie. And, and for someone that can't you know, see what we're talking about, think. imagine for a second that you've got a, a house that you just purchased for 100000 bucks. It's throwing off $10,000 a year in cash flow. You've got two options, let's say. Of course, we can say you could borrow from the bank, but let's just say that your two options are you could use $100,000 that's in your checking account mm -hmm. or you could use a $100,000 policy loan, that grant would say. So yep. imagine me, Nolan, I go and say, take 100000 from my checking account and I buy that thing with cash. Now, I'm now funneling $10,000 a year back into my checking account. So what is the rate of return on that? It is your your net operating income divided by your injected equity. So 10,000 divided by 100,000 is 10%. 10%. If you did the exact same thing, the way that Grant does it and the way that we do it, where instead of you using your own cash, you take a policy loan, what if you did the same thing? Now, Grant said it's a 4% interest only unstructured loan. You don't, nobody tells you the amortization, the terms of the debt, you, you pay it back as you please but it's 4% interest only it's do it's the, the the returns are the same the 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 cash on cash return metric is the same you return $10,000 a year in net operating income you divide that by your cost of capital or your injected equity which is 4000 bucks not 100 so now instead of you only earning 10% on your money you're now making 250% and you did the, exactly. the same exact deal so for someone trying to think about what Grant and I are doing this is and this is the hill that we're willing to die on is the cash on cash return metric. And so if you think about it from the less money that you have that you are injecting into a deal, the higher and the more deals that you can actually do. So that's kind of where Grant and I were thinking at the end of the day, the hill we're willing to die on is using policy loans to inject into deals instead of using our own cash, if that makes sense. Would you agree with that, Grant? Or, or do you yeah. have something else like following with that? No, 100%. I mean, ultimately, it costs you $4,000 a year, 4% simple interest to mobilize that money versus 100000 of your own money to get the same return. And not to mention what the policy does. I mean, it's going to it's gonna do what it's going to do. It's going to be earning a compounding interest tax-free where, again, you just took money out of your checking account. It's no longer earning anymore. So uh, when someone takes a step back, like you said a minute ago, Grant, we'll get out of here. But when someone takes a step back and gets outside of the box where you start looking around, take the blinders off, and you realize like there's another way to do this instead of just what everybody at your office tells you to do. If you take a step back and go against the grain a little bit and think differently, and I joke about this all the time. I say all those people that are flying in private jets when they're you know coming in or landing wherever whatever city you're in, I'm willing to bet they're probably not their their 401k isn't all that large. I'm willing to bet that. You know, so I'm, Grant, do you have anything at, at the end of this as we clean up, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, Nolan, I appreciate your vision of thinking differently and 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 grabbing a bunch of people around you to try to say, hey, let's let's do this different. Let's do it better. You've been patient to help us because this is not an easy concept as much as it seems pretty straightforward. We've been in this even, you know, a year for me, just about it takes a while to understand the concept. 
But I think ultimately, don't think of it as a, a get-rich-quick scheme. It is not. It literally is just a very efficient vehicle. It's parking your money. Take time to save it. The earlier you start, the better you can get it working for you. But outside of that, the possibilities are endless. This this vehicle to put your money in can do so many things. It, you're only limited by your creativity. And uh, Man, 100%. I, just, I, I appreciate your... Um, your willingness to help guide people around you uh, to think differently because ultimately it takes someone to be patient and to uh, be diligent to kind of push a different narrative here. Man, that's awesome. I appreciate you saying that. But of course, the tide raises all ships and you know, the more mm-hmm. the opportunities that we can have and everybody that can bring on with it, it, uh, it makes it more fun that way. So, well, again, Grant, thank you so much for your time, man. We appreciate you. Um, and of course, I'll put some you know, just a little bit about you in, in our bio, a couple of the books that you mentioned. And yep. um, and of course, if you have any questions for Grant or anything like that, you can reach out and we shoot an email and I connect you to Grant and, and um, find a way how you can, um, you know, learn more about him and, and what he's trying to do. So Grant, thanks so much, Thank man. You. We appreciate everything you, you came on today, man. Talk soon. Likewise. All right, buddy. All right. Take care.